them on side. We're nearly there, everyone. We're nearly there. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's getting brighter. And what we're as we record this, we're, we're 14, 14 days. You can almost taste the Joel Kane, Sean Omerod. Hello to you. Hello. Light at the end of the tunnel, you're right. I'm like a kid before Christmas. Can't wait. I'm pumped, boys. I'm absolutely pumped. You know what, Dan? Everyone in Australia, they were shit can in the NRL. Look at these buffoons trying to come back early. Now we're coming back early. The timing is perfection. And now the AFL people are starting to go, oh, we've got to get going. We need to get our skates on. Well done, Rugby League. Well done. The resilient code, which is Rugby League. We got it done. I, I, I do, the, I do worry, the, though. We're going to touch on um, the rule changes and, and so forth later on. I might have gone just a touch early in my love affair with Mr. Peter uh, Valanis. Maybe I'm a touch early there, but we'll get to that a little bit later, I think. Well, what about just a touch of thought on the AFL, the mess that they're in, which is understandable, but now they've got South Australian teams. Uh, they can't leave the state. They can't uh, train in their own state. You've got W. Like they have, because they've kicked the ball down, down the road, They've actually cost themselves at least one week, maybe two. And it goes to show that the gamble that Volandis took in, in pitching May 28 is perfect because there are always going to be little roadblocks along the way. So if, if he said, if it was Greenberg or Beatty, and they said, well, you know what, we think this, we think that, but we're not going to lock it in. We'd be in exactly the same situation. We'd be June 5, we'd be June 12, but It'll be exciting tomorrow because the draw for the first two weeks is going to come out. I guess then, Sean, we can actually start betting. Um, yep. The real draw, when I say the real draw, I mean the full draw, I'm told it won't come out until May 21. And the reason why is because the new TV deal, which still hasn't been signed off on, by the way, um, but, we're, but Nine and Fox are working on the premise that it'll get done. Nine has to pick as part of its deal, it gets to protect 40 games, right? This is before a draw is put together. They get to say, right, well, here's the, the remaining 100 and... What's 18 times 8? 144 <laughs> games, right? So oh, they great get man. Here it is. Cherry pick. You I may worked, have done that you worked that out earlier. You worked that out earlier. Yeah, well done. So they may have picked 40. So they have to pick 40, right? Then of the remaining, what's that, 104... Fox then have to pick their 40, which they protect. So they basically keep them away from nine. And then that leaves the other 64. Then then the NRL has to organise this to get this all working in an 18-round competition. It is what, do you mean, what do you mean protect? In other words, so they, nine, they get first stab at it. So they, yeah. they choose their games. Right, and, okay. and then keeping in mind, you then have to work in the turnaround times. and Sure. Yeah. And the further point to this is, just when I put down the bloody books for homeschooling, Dan's throwing maths at me again. (laughs) Please stop it. it, Well, imagine, apparently some Canadian computer system works all this out. I don't know how. Because the problem is, if if nine's got 40 games and there's only 18 weeks left, you've basically got to give them at least two games a weekend of those protected games. So you've got to work and then you've got to give Fox two. And then you've got to fit the other four around that. What a nightmare. So, Dan, um, Channel 9's call it two. And, and call it two and uh, another game every three weeks, for example. Yes, yes. Um, 
Is it the Thursday, Friday night game that they're going to rush into or you're playing a Sunday here? No, I think, I think how it works, Joel, and again, I'm, I'm not, I haven't seen the contracts. I think the last deal was basically they protected their bunch of games yep. and then it's up to the NRL to put them either on Thursday, Friday right. or Sunday afternoon, knowing nine prefers Thursday and Friday to be the key time slots. Right. Um, so when Brisbane, Parramatta, you can bet your ass that the NRL is going to protect that because yes. that's a ratings bonanza. And of course, they're going to be aired on Fox's simulcast games, but nine has to make sure that they're on, that's on their ear as well. Um, so I, I, I think once those games are protected and selected, then, it's, then NRL do your best. But this is why this draw normally takes months because you've got all these permutations to take care of. So God bless them trying to get this. So what are we going to see tomorrow? Just the first, is it just the first, first, two, to come, first two rounds? So right, okay. Round three and, and, and round four. And that's a sensible way to do it. I mean, the coaches have to know. They've got to actually start mm. planning ahead. Um, and plus, is, you know, eight teams are going to be traveling, some yeah. of them interstate. So that's only fair. So, I, so will markets open tomorrow, Sean, do we think? Well, there'll, there'll be there'll be some form of um, of an outright up, uh, I'd imagine. Like I'd, I'd want to have, you'd want a few rounds to be to be released. And I know they the, they usually like to drip feed a few games here and there. So you generally get a feel for what the the, the full fixture is going to look like um, before it's officially announced. But we'll have something up straight away. Won't be the full suite until we know the full sort of schedule. Okay. Yeah, you'd have to expect that the, the games in these first two weeks would almost be the double up games, wouldn't they? Not necessarily. Dan, 40 games, and Sean, 40 games that Channel 9 have to pick. How many Raiders games make their way into the 40? It's a good question because typically Canberra aren't a team who find themselves on prime time, but they're they're an adorable team at the moment. They're a like team. They're a winning team. They're a defending grand finalist. How many games do you see them unders and overs being on a in the 40? In the 40, I don't know, um, because don't forget, nine's got, what, three a weekend. So that's 54. So even the 40, they predict there's going to be a few added on top of that. Plus, I think they do a few Saturday nights at the end of the year. I don't see many of the 40. Um, I can see all 18 Brisbane games being protected. (laughs) Um, Honestly, well, that's their biggest Raider. I can see pretty much... Uh, there might be a limit, but I can see all of Parramatta's games being protected because they're a gun team that rates, and Souths are an interesting team. I don't think it's going to leave too many games. Canberra will fit in amongst those when they play Brisbane, when they play Parramatta. I gather the grand final rematch will get... I mean, that deserves free-to-air uh, airing. But, Joel, to answer your question, they're not a rating team because they're not part of the five cities. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a very old, primitive way of doing it. I don't know why a person in the country doesn't count as much as a person counting in the city when it comes to ratings, but that's the old system. And so I don't, I don't see them getting too many protected. How's your week been, boys? What's happened? Well, my, my shit week really started last Saturday. And <laughs> this, this, this leads me into what's going to be somewhat of a... <laughs> Groveling apology to uh, to Jav. Well, I think he might have taken my little job a little bit personally from what I've uh, from what I gathered on Twitter. He was going after me on Saturday, but I um, I went the card 
at Morfordville in Sugar Shootout without tipping one placing. <laughs> now that is very, very fucking hard to do. You couldn't yeah, do that this it. week if you tried, could you? <laughs> oh, no way. So, so how many races were there? Nine. There was nine, nine races. Yeah. So you were o, o for twenty seven essentially. That's, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. in Keno, in Keno, if you pick the ten numbers right, if you get all ten, it's a million or whatever the jackpot is. But you get a prize if you get none. I think this is a sort of reward for none out of 27. No, I got no reward from Jarf. He, he, I can't imagine the big smug look on Jarf's face on Saturday when I was tipping like an absolute lunatic. But uh, no, um, I apologise for my little job last week, mate. I, it, was, it was purely uh, in chest. You do an amazing job on the podcast. Would not be the same without you. Hey, Dan, uh, angry Ando, he won in the canter. He won and well done to him. But what I loved about this and I found quite amusing throughout the day is that Sean the Trader scores duck egg, right? And nationally, who ordinarily is a fantastic tipper, Simon S.D. Marshall, right? (laughs) He's the only other person on zero. So I'm watching his score of zero throughout the day. Sean the Trader's score of zero throughout the day. Simon is blasted across Australia on the Channel 7 coverage. And I'm just wooing him home for a winner. I was wooing him home for a winner. But then it got that bad, it got that good that you just didn't want him to find, find something. Well, I'm just wrapped up. I wasn't down there by myself. I was actually, it, those last couple of races, I was cheering against SD just, to, just so I didn't have to go down on my own. So there yeah, you I'm go. Glad I, I'm glad I didn't follow these. I put my tips in because oh, I was betting on Sydney. So I really wasn't paying much attention. I looked a couple of times at the scores. But see, Joel, I would, if I, if I was bet, betting on Adelaide, for instance, or if I was you know in front and I had money to throw away, I probably would have really followed Simon or even Sean in the last couple of races on the premise of all well, they can't be this bad. So thank God I wasn't watching properly because uh, oh, yeah. because if Bra- if Brassel goes for a run of, of, of outs, I'll go. Well, he's, he's too good. He's got to get one soon. It's a mm-hmm. law of averages thing. So. Dan, if boys, if you, if you march into the casino right and you look up on the roulette board and it is just sprayed and littered with reds, yeah, what's your mindset? Oh, black. Black. Sure. Mine's, mine's not put any chips down, just go to the bar. That's my mindset. <laughs> I, I stay with the run. I, the hot hand. Bill Waterhouse, <laughs> Bill, Bill Waterhouse, the late Bill Waterhouse, he used to say that, uh, you know, like when you're in front, you're bet up. And if you're getting rolled, you just walk away. You know what it's like when you're the punt, you're getting rolled. It's just not your day. Tools down. But when you're seeing them like beach balls, that's the time to march on. When the red keeps coming out, I'm on the red train, boys. I'm all aboard the red train. Responsibly, of course, Joel. Yes, exactly. Okay, what do we do? Here's a question. How do we tend to punt differently when we've hit a good lead early? Because I I will tend to, playing with the bank's money, I'll take some huge risks (laughs) that I wouldn't have necessarily, because I'm thinking, I work it out, so if I don't get a single thing for the rest of the day, this is going to be my result. Hopefully it's in front. So therefore, let's really have a shot at the stumps here. Let's just pour money into some Cornellas or uh, some box trifectas. That, that's how I punt. I figure yeah. get, it, get a nice little lead early yeah. and just either, either make it a day for the ages or, well, we still finished a touch in front. And Sean, you... knows, Sean knows the ultimate disciplinarian. So <laughs> what's your boring answer here? No, I mean... I... No, I'm far, I'm far, far from disciplined. Particularly when out the track after 13 schooners. But um, yeah, no, that that mindset would be uh, just like the 
they're 99% of, of the population. That's how they, that's how they bet. And it's, it's fun, right? When you're, when you're on a run, you, you start looking at wide, you start looking at, at tracks you wouldn't normally play at, whatever, because it is good fun. But the 1%, that you know do turn a profit year in year out there there's there's no diversion in their strategy whatsoever whether they're having a, a an awful day or a red hot one it's um that's the boring answer but um, no, i'm i'm like i'm just like the rest of them when you're on a roll you just put, put the shoulders back and have a crack oh 100 the the um no last race they call it don't know they're real pro punters they just they're happy to go to sleep at night march on for the next one but boys I, i'm like most of the people out there i'll study for a week and my best bet will be X and I'll have a yep. bet of X and then that's either one or lost. And then later in the day, I see something which I've never even heard of and I've got five times X on that. Is that, is that, is that what we do? <laughs> that is a normal, that is a normal punt. By the way, can I, not only does Sean look like Jesus, but he's got the divine light. You've set the computer up to have the divine light coming in, pouring in from behind you. So, Sean coming in from heaven today. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> if only you knew um, about all my sins. My God. Uh, yes, no. I, I tell you, though, I am a believer in when it's not your day, it's not your day. I was on Miss Einstein. Uh, and when I knew that got beat the way it did, I thought, you know what? Today's not the day to load up and play catch up. We're just going to cut our losses. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it yep. played. Because that was a damn good thing beaten. But that's racing that happens. Speaking it's of uh, cutting your losses, boys, um, I have embraced isolation. And there's a few tricks to isolation when you go on air, right? So I've got a little bit more growth there. Just to, it just sort of <laughs> yeah, fades yeah. in the, the, the second chin. Uh, yeah. I've got the grey thing at the top here. And I throw a bit of gel in there to make it darker. Is so that, that real, goes, Joel? What's that? Your little little tinge at the front there. Yeah, but but it's it's got a bit of um, it's got a little bit of uh, gel in it at the moment. So you'll see me pop up in in the movies tomorrow tonight tomorrow night. So Inferno's on Friday night, and we we do a bit of a Robert Langdon gig, and then tonight is um, uh, something about Mary Born Ultimate. <laughs> Born Ultimatum. So because of the grey patch at the front here, I've thrown some gel in here, and it looks quite darker, but. I, I'm battling with the weight at the moment, boys, and I, I just can't arrest it. Every day I wake up and say, today's going to be a good day, and then all of a sudden it ends in pear shape. The wifey's just snuck up into the room here and delivered this mm. thing. I cooked the sausages for the young bloke. This is a sausage melted with cheese and sauce, oh. uh, absolutely That's wrapped nothing. in bread. And, I mean, she's flying. She's super fit. What That's nothing no, Nothing against Kobe's cooking here, but that looked awful, whatever that was. Yeah. Can we have another look at that? Yeah, we go back to the tapes. She's had a disaster here, but that, that's okay. I'll still smash the thing. Um, Did she bring up any drinks for you, Joel, just to just no. to wash that down with? Or? No, no, no. I've, I've no. had one, one beer, boys, today, and that's my first beer since Saturday, actually. So, um, good for you. Yeah, good for me. Anyway, what else is happening in the world of rugby league? Well, okay, let's. We've held off long enough. Joel, of course, Sean is the self-appointed ideas committee. So we yep. better get your take first on the two, the two rule changes out of nowhere. Um, the one referee, where did this come from? We're going back to one referee and one which can, I think is going to be so quickly exposed is six again for a ruck infringement as opposed to a penalty. Yeah, I wonder which, uh, try to work out if Joel's going to like that new rule or not. I'm really struggling to work it out. Take it away, Joel. Uh, I do like it, but it, com- <laughs> it comes with a caveat. So... I do like it. I really do. Like, it, it, team keep mucking around. And they've got discretion to penalise and sin bin still. So, that's fine. 
Mm. The big problem I have is the execution of it. So how do we, we need to come up with some kind of initiative where everyone on the field understands that it's six to go. And whether that's the shot clock sound or whatever it is, we need to have, we need to have something. Otherwise it's going to end really badly pear shaped, but Mm. on the whole of it, I like it. Is it, so is it a penalty inside the 20 still? Is it an automatic, automatic penalty then? Or is it, because I read that somewhere as well. I, need to no, 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 I think inside the 20 is where you, um, they're trying to hold them down, hold them and hold them down. And when you give the penalty away, it does two things. That a, they're happy to concede the two points. And B, um, is... It slows it down. Yes, and it slows it down. So it just marches it on. All of a sudden, their set of six becomes a continual set of 10, set of yeah. nine. Maybe it goes to another one, which is 13, 15, you know. But at what point? At what point can I? So if I'm on the attack and then someone's laying all over me, I don't want and you know scores are tied. I want a shot at the, you know, I want a shot at the two. Yeah. How does it? How does it turn into a penalty? What like is this where discretion comes yeah. into it? Yes, it, it, it feels like an absolute shambles in waiting for me. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I mean, I just get the what? game back and just go up, go off without a hitch, please. Why? And and, and always the other find thing a way. What concerns me is this damn pole which was done last year at the end of the season on, on the NRL website. And I think there were 20,000 participants. So all these decisions are based on these 20,000 participants. Well, could they have made an announcement before that? Hey, everyone, we are actually going to change rules of the games based on this poll. Go to NRL.com and vote. You would have upped your traffic, which is what yeah, the whole thing's yeah, all yeah, about. Yeah. And it would have been a far more democratic process. Now, God help us, Joel. If, if these polls actually start to have real meaning, because every time they do those commentator polls, I have the fear of God put through me. And if they start <laughs> to make business decisions based on these frigging polls, we could be all out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, Dan. I, I, I'm with you. That would be very, very intriguing. Throwing it to the masses saying, this vote will count. This will count. Yeah. Look, we vote bloody prime ministers in. Why can't we have the the vote going to the public and having everyone have their say. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love it. You Just, know, if you, if you do that, where you end up is, right, it's the same group of people that want to get away with two refs. They're going to be the exact same group of people in a year's time that are pissing and moaning about the ruck being a complete debacle. And that, that's how it's going to be. Like The anti-vaxxers, Sean. Leave them alone. Oh, oh, <laughs> don't, don't get me started on them. Jesus, oh. That's a whole other show. If, if you want proof that money is the be-all and end-all, the anti-vax situation is further proof because yeah. as soon as players realised, oh, shit, I'm not going to get paid, that even Bryce Cartwright apparently is softening. So, um, you know, the, the nut job wives that are the anti-vaxxers <laughs> that, are, that are brainwashing the idiot husbands, even they're starting to think, well, geez, I have my beliefs, but... I believe in my lifestyle first and foremost, and we can't have that in any any doubt. Um, but I'm here to say this, under- Dan. I'm here to say this. I, I, I'm here to say that the same people, largely, not all, but the la- same people who are the anti-vaxxers, if the whole world were anti-vaxxers and there was some <laughs> little moment, they'd be the same ones who were the vaxxers all of a sudden. It, it's To me, it's more about swimming against the tide. Ah, uh, I see. It's a personality thing. It's like, you're not telling us what to do. We run our own race. This is what we're doing. That's what I think. Here's the thing. Have you ever heard 
an intelligent person, like a, a person, a worldwide figure, come out as an anti-vaxxer? I, I don't think I've ever, like, Never. you're not going to hear Bill, Bill Gates come out and say, you know what, vaxxing is a hoax. Like, <laughs> a, a, you know, an, a Dr. Anthony Fauci or even a Mark Hugh, some left field thinker who has achieved something in life. Yes. You actually never hear that. So uh, they all just seem to be nut jobs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One ref, one ref. I, I, I think we're guilty of romanticizing about a game that is long gone. And that is the nineties. And every yeah. time when we replay a game on Fox, we go, well, how good was that one ref? It's a different game. And, and wrestling didn't exist then. The players are fitter, they're faster. Uh, there is more benefit in holding down and wrestling these days. Uh, and even there, there was a game I called yesterday, which is aired this weekend, Canberra-Brisbane 95. There was, I think, a diabolical error from five minutes to go, which, you know what? We just moved on and forgot about it. But that wouldn't happen today. We would spend a week destroying the referee for making an error. And it's a totally different environment. We cannot go back to the 90s. And I just, I, I like their attitude to say, look, we're only trying it for this year. We're not, if it's no good, we'll go back to two refs. But it just seems so arbitrary. And it's not going to save them that much because the refs that they're chopping are the bottom end refs who would be on, what, 120, 140,000 a year. It's not going to save the NRL. It can't be. Eight, I'm, I'm, not, people, uh, I'm not copping that monetary, that monetary excuse. It, it can't be that, surely. As you said, it, it's not saving them enough to, to put the whole game at risk of, of being a complete shit show for what's... I mean, they're already up against it. We've already got a shortened season, no crowds. Um, I, I just think the last thing... People are hungry for footy, and that might appease it for a little while. But if it turns to shit, then it's just going to be, yeah, a bit of a storm, which we don't need. Anyway. It is the year, though, to try things, isn't it? Really. This is the time to go, you know what? Let's have a bit of fun. You know, let's, let's bring in these things that aren't completely crazy. Let's give Joel Kane the captain of, of committee ideas and let him just pick whatever he wants. <laughs> Mate, I, don't, I, don't like I don't know if it is. Like it's, we're not that far from a normal season, really. It's, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Call me boring. Yeah, so I'm starting to think the other one. I'm starting to think, well, hang on. It's weird enough this season. We're mm. gonna, we've are gonna, we had this mid-season or early season break. We're going to have 18 straight weeks. Let's actually try and keep it as normal as possible in here exactly. as we can. But, uh, I like Robert, Trent Robertson had a good idea yesterday. He said, we have to have two, even if the second ref doesn't have a whistle. Just let him monitor the ruck and, and communicate with the ref. I never understood why... Uh, we had to have two refs where one refereed 80% of the game and then they'd swap for 20%. I, I never understood that. I don't know. You could have specialised ruck referees as um, your number two and your eight best referees are the ones with the whistle and the ones basically the main controller. 80-20 didn't add anything to the game. All it did was create inconsistency. But why can't we just have the bunker looking after that? We've got all those cameras that say you, your camera is fixed on the ruck, right? And we've got someone sitting in the box anyway, or two people sitting in the box. One's keeping an eye on the general play. One's keeping an eye on the ruck. And then the other person, they come together when there's a decision for the try. Like, what, why do we need... I don't think we need the extra referee. I just think we need the bunker having eyes on it, communicating with the referee. 
I think we should listen to uh, to Robbo. He's the smartest mind in the in the bloody game. But instead, we do we do a poll to twenty thousand. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna say it. <laughs> the coal mine is firing up. <laughs> I don't know, honestly. Uh, I mean, I mean, Sean's right. I mean, you you are creating a lowest common denominator effect, and I mean, we're all just fans. But don't you want you want the smartest people in the game without uh, an ulterior motive? deciding these things now the coaches perhaps the smartest but they have motives and the motives are their own well-being that doesn't mean Robbo is necessarily saying things simply to benefit his own team but surely there's enough smart people out there that don't have a vested interest in particular teams it's a real <laughs> worry when we look at fans when I've got no off. I've got no issue with the coaches getting involved because as soon as like when something becomes a rule, it's a rule for everyone. So you can't, you're getting no advantage. If you've got, you might have an advantage for six weeks until the other 15 teams work out what you're doing and all of a sudden it's gone. So I genuinely think they would have the best interests of the game at heart. And I'm not saying the 20,000 fans don't, but I just think you need a more, um, yeah, a little bit of better approach to it. All right, let's move on. Uh, and... We've only got two Last Dance episodes to go. Uh, to me, the end of episode seven, where Jordan... It, the whole documentary could just be distilled into those two minutes where he talks about pushing his teammates, why he does it, and he cries at the end and says, let's go for a break. And I thought that should have been the end of the documentary, frankly, because that mm. just said everything. But we now, I think, have a second villain. Jerry Krause, who Joel continues to defend. I don't know why. And now I'm going to let you off the long run, Sean. Scotty Pippen, fire away. It doesn't even have to come from a long run. I, what a cat Scotty Pippen is. How, how is he? How is he? Like, I didn't know this was in his, um, in his DNA, but what an awful bloke he would be to play with. The way he carried on. And sat on the sidelines. He did something else in one of the earlier episodes as well about his contract. Well, yeah, he sat out half the season, didn't he? So he did that. He, he spat the dummy there, and then all of a sudden, when when the coach didn't didn't um, give him the ball for the for the match match when he shot, which was made by the way, which that like things couldn't have gone any worse for Scotty <laughs> Pippen there. Really, Can you imagine him on the bench when the when the shot got drained. But what a, what an awful awful bloke to do that. Um, I I used to I used to like him, but I obviously didn't know about him. I'm completely off him. He's one of those blokes who he's a cool cat. He he would fit into the West Indies cricket team of the mid eighties. He was just a good. He was a likable looking bloke, but but didn't he share price go from episode two to episode eight through the floor? Oh, well, shocking. we better explain for those that aren't watching. I don't know who'd be listening to this that isn't watching. But last play of the game. This is when Jordan was off playing baseball. Uh, they designed the play for Tony Kukoc to shoot the last shot. Scotty got the shits because he thought he was the man now with no Jordan. And he sat on the, he refused to come into the game for the final play. Kukoc makes the shot. Chicago wins. Pippen is the villain. What was astounding to me, I could almost understand, well, I can't understand letting your teammates down, but okay, heat of the moment. But 25 years later, to say, well, this is why I did it and I regret it. But you know what? If I had my time over, I'd probably do it again. I thought, well, that's you've missed. You, you have know, one chance, and then yeah. you've just blown it. 
Yeah. That actually that actually pissed me off more than the them sitting on the sidelines in the first. The fact that you can't even because he carried on in the change rooms, apparently he was in tears and you know he let everyone down. Well, don't carry on like that and then say you do it all again. Yeah. No, Pippen is banned for life. Uh, just on, and uh, so he he doesn't clearly make this team. But Holmes the Court, who's a former host on this show, he sent me through his hypothetically, if you won a trip to Vegas, boys. And you had to take a 1-13 to 13 in positions uh, to Vegas. Good bloke policy. Who would you take? And just feel free to chime in if you think there's anyone. Yeah, this is, your, this. this is your baby. How about yeah. you? How about, Sean, we let Joel fire yep. up and then we'll just shoot them all down. Right. Do that? Number one, according to Holmes Accord, Kalen Pong is going to Vegas. Yeah, I'm happy with that. It would have been my choice. Good looking rooster, young. Yeah, have a few, had a, had a few following around. Hey, I would have thought. Who are we picking? Are we picking league NRL players? Current yeah. NRL players in their positions. They're on the plane with you to Vegas for a week in your little sort of uh, squad there. Well, I understand the good bloke. You need a good bloke. I, I went on a trip like, a couple of years ago to Vegas, and there are a couple of duds, and it does ruin. The trip. So <laughs> I, I do, I do get that. But they've also got to be entertaining. They've also yeah, got course. to be engaging. Of They're, course. Yeah, okay, so of all course. Right, so we're going. That's the metrics, Dan. So Ponga, right? The wingers, and he's copping it at the moment, but I too would select Josh Adokar. Energy, funny, character. Yeah, he'd be uh, fun. He'd yep. be fun. Mike Asuvo on the wing as well. I, love, I just love the bloke. <laughs> no, I, don't know about, I don't know about Micah in Vegas. I don't know if nah. I'm taking Micah to Vegas. You need a canned laughter, and, and he'd be laughing in the background. He'd be adding in the energy. He'd have a little... He's a bit like Squirrel on Emac, you know. They don't say much, but when they do, wow. We've got, we've got this bloke, Dan, who, who's quiet all week. And we call it Squirrel Steak Night, right? And when he yeah. brings the steaks out, this is always midweek. It's never a Saturday or a Friday or a typical night where you iron yourself out. And then all of a sudden, you wake up the next day and Squirrel's left about 4,000 messages on your phone. I reckon I reckon Sivo uh, could do that trick for us. Yeah. Center position. Sivo, hang on, hang on, hang on. Stevo has got himself into a bit of trouble, and mm. I think both times alcohol-related. Okay. I, I don't mind a guy who's a bit of a scallywag. I don't want him getting us into trouble. We need In to Vegas. come home with thirteen. Vegas of all of all places, real trap for young players. Uh, I might just I might leave Micah on the, yeah. on the bench. Yeah, I, I, we've only got a limited time in Vegas. I don't need to be spending <laughs> one night in the constabulary getting him out on bail <laughs> for the purposes of getting I, through I, the turn. Yeah, go on, go on. I reckon I'd take Blake Ferguson. You know what? It, it, it pains me to say it, but Blake Fergie actually popped into my head. I just thought, you know. He'd be fun. Next yeah. morning when you're right. battling, jump up on the roof, get a cruiser yep. out, away you go. Okay, team change. Fergo's in. I'll write that down. Yep. Fer, yep. Fergo's in. Yep. In the centres, uh, I don't know. About it. It, Pappenhausen and Gutho. I'll give them both the tick, but they're not really centres, but I'm happy to play them there. Are we happy with that? Do we know much about Pappenhausen? Seems like a nice kid, but... Champion. Okay. Right. Absolute champion. I, I, I'd, I'd put Turbo Tom in there. That's me. Okay. Shawnee, any objections? Um, no, no. He's, he's, gone, he's gone looking for a couple there, Holmes. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, yeah, no, I'm okay with him. Okay. Munster and Pierce in the halves. Munster, absolute tap-in yeah. to go to yeah. Vegas with. That's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. yeah, Pierce has got, Pierce has got form <laughs> as well, so I'm happy with that. He'd be fun. Okay. We're not uh, get, you notice we are not going for good. Well, I think they are good blokes, but that's not the first. We're going for the fun blokes here. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so the back row is Cam Murray, mm -hmm. John Bateman, and Jake Definitely. Turbo. Now, uh, 
Jake, I would go. Yeah, yeah, Jake's a real funny one because he's an absolute ripping bloke. But yeah. would he really let down in Vegas? Oh, I don't know. I might have to. Who, who are you thinking, Dan? Oh, Dale oh. Finucane might, might. I reckon he'd be a little silent assassin, Dale Finucane. Dale Finucane. No. Yeah. He'd be back in the hotel room with his guitar. Well, Dan, before we come give... to you, Holmes yeah, has written yeah. this. He says, look, I would have gone Keegan Hipgrave at 13. <laughs> But he had, oh, no, but, no, he wouldn't get us into trouble. No, he, he says, but he had nine bourbon and cokes in the Uber on the way to the airport and tried to fight security in <laughs> <to> the airport. <laughs> okay. Okay. I would make sure I would get an English connection in my team. So I'd, I'd want James Graham. I'd want Bateman. Yep. I've heard Whitehead champion bloke. Yes. Hodgson might get in as my hooker. So I and and I'm happy with that and and I'd I don't know I'd have to get Jake Turbo in there somewhere, but I'd want Pommies in there. You know, yeah. you, you go out with Pommies, it's a great night. Yes, agree, <laughs> agree. Who's he got? Uh, what's what's his what's the front row? Come on, oh, the front the front row. Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, Connor Watson, JWH. Yes, Dil- yes. Dylan Dylan Napa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, he's going right. He's going right up front, hasn't he, Hunter? Oh, I need to have a bit more of a think about my front row. I think I can do it better. I think I'm okay. going to have a better front row combo than that. Right. We'll, we'll, circle, we'll circle back at the end of the show. Right, listeners, feel free to, to choose your 1 to 13 trip to Vegas. Good bloke policy. <laughs> we are running out. Of, well done, Holmes, but it's further proof that this ISO, we are running out of lists. <laughs> <laughs> what um, else do you have on your musing, Shauno? Uh, well, I, I misplaced my phone. I had a, had a few written down. What did I? What did I send through? We've already we've shot we've shot Scotty Pippen. So that was that was sort of my number one. Groveling apology to Jarv. Top of the I show. I love how much it, I love how much attention the passing of uh, Jerry Stiller, Frankus ah, yes. has received. And, yep. um, it turns out he was pretty much everyone's favourite uh, side character. Yep. On Seinfeld, uh, and. Uh, Look up bloop, Seinfeld bloopers and, and the stuff that he delivered. He has um, Elaine, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and um, George Costanza, uh, Jason Alexander, in, in genuine hysterics. Yeah, like the, I saw that. The, the reverence that they have for him. <laughs> and it's funny, we could all rattle off five, He wasn't in the show that much, but we could all rattle off five or six magic moments involving Frank Costanza. So, uh, and he did a lot more away from Seinfeld, King of Queens, but a whole lot for 20, 30, 40 years before that. So, very sad. So, Shawnee, um, in your absence, we, we lost the great Chicka Price, and I said Vale Chicka Price, and we're saying Vale Jerry Stiller. Uh, is it Vale or Vale? Dan, Dan tried to pull me up and said it was Vale. I'm from Vale. Oh, yeah, I grew up with reduced for quick sale on my bread. Where we come from, it's Vale. Well, I've never heard Vale hey, in all my life. That's the that's the Kuji coming in. Yeah, mate, <laughs> I'm as common as all of you, right? Don't, mate. I was, you know, sun blessed. Tip top was a, a treat in our house as well, Joel. So don't, <laughs> don't, uh, but it is Vale. <laughs> it's not Vale. I've never heard that in my life. That. Nah. No, I hey, protest as well. Yeah, he's on, he's on Google now, trying to, trying to work it out. Well, here you go. How to pronounce, well, Vale. But, I mean, there is a word called Vale, so I don't know. Uh, how is Vale pronounced? When someone dies, when you say Vale, 
is it pronounced Valet or Vale? Hang on. Oh, no, that's a tweet from Chrissy Swan. Uh, Peter Hitchener from Channel 9 News said, I always said Valet, but I hear many people say Vale. So I don't know which one is correct. So I don't know. I don't know. But oh, I'm happy to... He's read the answer there, Sean, but he, he's not reading it out. No, no, that's that's bullshit. It's fail. We all know that. Yeah, we know that. What's the um? What's your favourite Frank Frank moment? I you got one that liked, springs to mind. Yeah, I liked my personal favourite was I have two. One where he rings up the the Seinfelds. We're <laughs> gonna be in the pool house. <laughs> We're going to be all over that shuffleboard court and I dare you to keep me out. Just the way he delivers that. And the other one was, remember late where he, um, it emerged that he was a cook in the army and uh, he gives Estelle an absolute bake where he talks about her something being dry, something being uh, tasteless and the eggplant is a disgrace to this house. <laughs> I piss myself every time. And then he goes on about his arrogance as a young chef that he had off meat, but he thought he could make it work. That's That's right. Right. Just brilliant. Just What's yours, Minor? You like, One of the great characters. Just him screaming, surrender now in the backseat of that car. And I, I yeah. still I still say it now, surrender now when, <laughs> when someone's giving the shits. But you could, you could rattle off. You know, fifty. He's one of the one of the great all time all time characters. Brilliant. Varley Jerry Stiller. Varley, that's it. Varley. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, I've got to get something off my chest here. Well, not so much off my chest. It's just amusing. I, I, the quote unquote retirement of Alan Jones, Ooh. I think, is one of the most fascinating st- and and almost underreported stories. In media, um, now every organisation has reported on it, but no one's really dissecting why. Now, the easy answer, and, and probably the accurate answer, is that he's seventy-nine, and his doctors are saying no more, and that is totally plausible, totally understandable. I'm guessing they've been saying to that to him for years. This is a bloke that is a freak. He's burned the candle at both ends for 35 years. Uh, mate, I did breakfast radio hours for two years and not, not his breakfast radio hours. I was toast at the end of it. And I wasn't the centerpiece of the show. So how anyone could do it for 35 years is astounding. But what has pricked my ears up and what is not being talked about, why is he being paid out if he is retiring? And that makes me wonder if his bosses are pushing him out the door, which makes this one of the most fascinating media movements in certainly Sydney radio history, because the only things I can compare it to, and sorry for you non-Sydney people, I'm getting very local here, but 20 years ago, Jones went to 2GB and took a whole audience with him. That never happened. Right? Never happened. Hadley came across as well, but it was Jones that brought the audience across. So that, that changed the face of Sydney radio forever to the point where 2UE 15 years later didn't exist. It became something else. It became something else. And now they just play songs. So he effectively killed a station by leaving. Then the company I work for did not re-sign Kyla Jackie O. And that was seismic. Today, FM has had 
five or six breakfast shows, I think, in the six or seven years since. None have worked. And the station, Kyle and Jackie O, went to Kiss FM. They weren't even Kiss when they joined. That has become a monster. And I think this is as seismic. And the question is, why would Nine, who are now the owners of 2GB, push him out? And it's been put to me that while his ratings are through the roof and no one's close, um, the advertising is not there. The boycotts, he's got, he's, he's got into a bit of trouble. And that's sort of understandable. Um, but whoever replaces him, and it's going to be Ben Fordham, I don't think he's got a prayer of getting anywhere close. Hadley, maybe, because he's got a baked-in audience. But I think Fordham is going to be on a hiding to nothing, and it's not necessarily his fault. So I'm just wondering if in 12 months, 18 months, we're going to go, what were they doing pushing him out the door? So what's your, what's your theory? Have you got a theory behind no, it? His theory, Sean, is that um, it's cheaper to pay out the balance of Jonesy's contract than it is to concede the possible revenue in advertising. Is that what you're saying, Dan? You're on the right path. My thing is, why would you, if, if he is retiring of his own volition, hmm. why would you pay him out? Because there's nowhere else in Sydney for him to go. He's not going to go to an FM station. 2UE doesn't exist and it's owned by the same company anyway. ABC's not an option. The only other option is really 2SM. And they're not, they're not in a position to be paying Jones money. So there was no reason for them to continue to pay him out unless they are part of this decision. And ooh, it's a big, big call. 2UE let Jones go. It killed them. 2Day FM let Kyle and Jackie O go. It damn near killed them. 2GB are now letting Jones... And here's the thing. If you're paying a bloke for me in a year, wouldn't you want to use him in some capacity? Wouldn't you say, okay, Alan, we get it. It's insane to be going 5.30 to 9 o'clock for a 79-year-old man and all the preparation that goes with that. But we're going to pay you $4 million a year until you're done. Can we get you on for an hour? Can we get you on for two hours? Can we get some value for this money? The fact that it doesn't look like they're doing that suggests to me that they are showing him the door. It's a stunning... He's 79. He's not going to be doing it for that much longer anyway. I just find this is a stunning, stunning decision to allow the greatest or the most successful broadcaster Sydney's ever seen to walk out. Could they not just have had a... Could it be a single legacy arrangement where they were always going to look after him at his time? Whenever that time come. You just run, you just run... Uh, did did Richie Benno find himself in a similar scenario where he he had just signed a contract and so if that's the case then Channel Nine would have history of looking after you know prized icons so to speak. Well, Richie got crook, uh, and also Richie was with Nine for thirty or forty years. Where Jones has only been with Nine. Nine only bought the company what a couple of years ago, and the, and remember the last contract almost didn't get signed. The chairman, Peter Costello, had to step in and, and basically supersede 2GB management, the new 2GB management, and say, what are you doing? Sign him. And it was only going to be for two years. And Joan, it was made clear to Jones, this is the last deal we're signing with you. It's done. So, look, it may work. Fordham may rate 12s, and yet they make more money. And then everyone's a genius. Um, but I just find it a fascinating... I just find that aspect, we haven't, it hasn't been reported on. Why has he been pushed out the door 
18 months to go and you're getting, you're just basically handing handing him money in an environment where every radio station, every radio company and every television company is bleeding money. You just can't be cutting off checks for $4 million and saying, here, have this and go on your way. So that, that's the part I find fascinating. I think they're every bit as responsible from what I've heard and from what I've seen from the outside. They're as responsible, if not more, than the Alan Jones doctor for this decision. There you go. There you spoke, go. Of, spoke of me such passion. I like that. There. I just find this is a... I, I've been involved... I've been at a company in a very minor role, but at a company which killed itself by making a decision like this. And I just wonder if they're going to regret doing this the way Southern Cross Stereo was made to pay for a long time Mm. for letting Kyle and Jackie O go. Now, the difference is um, Jones is not going to go anywhere else even when the contract runs out. He's 79, he'll be 81 by then. Whereas Kyle and Jack obviously went to another station and it decimated um, Triple M uh, today, FM. But anyway, I, I just find that a very, very interesting... Thank you, everyone, for putting up with my musings, but I just find it a fascinating development in our little world where radio stations can be destroyed on decisions like this, or it could be the making of them. So, I mean, they might go from strength to strength. Who knows? But good luck to Ben Fordham, because I think whoever was going to step in those shoes going to need all the luck in the world. As yeah. following Sir Don in the brat, uh, to bat, rather, and I think somebody actually mentioned that, but I was surprised a little bit that Hadley didn't just slide straight into to that spot, or maybe they're just thinking that, and I think Ray quoted himself, that this may be his last contract, so maybe they just want to get the ball rolling straight away with, you know, with this young punk to assume the chair. You know, I'm told Hadley wasn't even aware that, oh, right. um, that when Jones announced it, that was the first Hadley had heard of it. Now, that was someone else at 2GB telling me that. I don't know how true that well, is. He says himself that he was across it the whole time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if I'm his... I if don't I'm, know. He may be. If it is my last contract, right, and I'm already signed up for this duration, do I want to be getting up at breakfast? They're paying him breakfast money, mm. from what I understand. So they paid him a massive amount, deservedly. The bloke is a ratings machine. But then apparently a couple of years ago, they bumped his deal up by 50% or something. And I'm only going by what's in the paper, so it may be wrong. Um, and in fact, more than 50%. And on the proviso that he would follow Jones and that Jones would Jones was supposed to win last year. They were supposed to push him out the door last year. And Hadley was supposed to take over. But something's happened there, whether they're worried about court cases. I don't know. But clearly... There is a cultural shift going on at that station. You've got the biggest behemoth in 20 years, 2GB. I, I don't know if they make money because it's an old audience and because of some of the dramas they've had, but to risk throwing away eight hours of the day rating 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, whew, it's a big call. But anyway... We Dan, before we move on, what... What sort of numbers would a show like that generate in sponsorship revenue, roughly? Have you got any idea? 1500 for a live read. No, um, but what about for the, just a number for the year? Like, is it millions and millions and millions, is it? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't pay someone $4 million a year if you're... And don't forget, he's got a pretty hefty staff, Jones, right? And I think about eight to 12 people, researchers, producers, whatever. Um, but you don't put that sort of money in unless you're getting back a hell of a lot more. I think it's about... They, they look at a show. Um, they aim to... I know this was the old Southern Cross mentality. I don't know if it's still true, but you, you try and make back four times what it costs. Right. And that pays for your sales staff and all the other staff that... So if a show in itself costs a million bucks, you want to make four million off that because that pays everyone involved around the station, your receptionist, everyone. And... Um, and you make a little bit of money as well, which obviously it's commercial yeah, yeah, radio. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he was toxic Jones and, and, and rating a 17 meant nothing because it didn't convert to advertisers, but boy, oh boy, big, big, big time in radio. You're going to throw your hat in the ring, Dan? Sean, <laughs> move on. <laughs> move on. <laughs> uh, can you, you, I couldn't think of anything worse than getting up at 2.30 in the morning, having to research properly um, for interviews, for, uh, you know, editorials, and then have to be on. And Joel, you know what it's like that when you have to be on, uh, on, on concentration for three and a half hours. No, thank you. No, <laughs> I actually hosted Breakfast Radio uh, last year, midway through the year. It was only for two weeks. And I actually bumped into Alan in the corridor and I said, geez, I reckon you'd be shitting yourself today, Alan, me and you head to head, you know, we're taking it on, but it just absolutely killed me though. I know you could probably get match fit with the hours. No, you never do. You You never do. It is brutal. Isn't it brutal? You don't feel yourself. You're, You're so foggy and, Oh, it is brutal. They call it jet lag. It's, it's, it's sort of a form of jet lag that you never get out of because, you know, you can never go... To, I, I could never go to sleep at 8, 8, 8, 8 p.m., right, to get up at 4 a.m. Mm. And so, therefore, you're on a lack of sleep. Often, you'd have a sleep in the middle of the day. You'd wake up like a zombie. You'd just never feel 100... The only mm. time you ever felt good was a Sunday afternoon because you've had a full night's sleep yeah. And you sort of recovered and then you're straight back into it. So it's, this is why I understand why Kyle used to go to LA. I think he still does all uh, the time. Yeah. Therefore, you're doing your breakfast show at 1 p.m. Yes. I could totally understand that. That makes complete sense to me. It does. That, now, all of a sudden, you can live a normal life. You can go out. You can wake up at a you know, friendly yeah. hour. Yeah, totally agree. And I think Smallsy, that bloke Smallsy, he did that as well overseas somewhere, didn't he? Smallsy, Nova. <laughs> anyway, Smallsy. <laughs> you said that with a fair bit of venom, Joel. I, oh, I, I don't. I actually don't like listening to the bloke. I, I don't like the manner. But but anyway, he, he he was over in England or something, doing something similar. I think from what I've heard, Joel, I think your fears are accurate. Right. Bit of a dick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bit of a dick. Yeah. Ticks uh, to go play yeah, on. Uh, so, how have you enjoyed small, this conversation small. about? About the minutiae of Sydney radio, uh, Shauna? Found it very enlightening. I, I, I do enjoy you. Uh, you're very, very knowledgeable about the, the media landscape as a whole. And so, no, I actually enjoy listening to it. It's good. Well, this is our, this is our, as Joel, you've got to be up on, you've got to know who's on the up, who's on the down, because um, at some point you may need to go to these places. So, 
uh, it does it does help you to keep an eye on these things. Hey, boys, tell, tell me the, the news throughout the week as well, and, and you hear all these things, and poor old gals getting connected to every single person who wants to fight. Tyson has been linked to Sonny Bill Williams, has been linked to Gal, has been linked to Noodles Hall, right? And the reason we coined him Noodles is because you'd only fight Gal two minutes, so two-minute two noodle halls. Yeah. A, is there any of those three who could beat Tyson? And B, if they can't, could Tyson get all through all three of them back-to-back? Uh, no to both answers, I think. How no old is he? 50-odd? 53. Yeah. I'm, I'm always very suspicious of the 15-second Instagram video. I could look good in a 15-second Instagram video if I... He looked, pretty, he looked pretty bloody good on those fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fucking hell. <laughs> Very good. Now, now, I'm not getting in the ring with him uh, for one second, but how he looked a bit heavy. Uh, I don't know how much... I mean, he was pretty ordinary at the end. I mean, he was losing mm. fights in places like Memphis against Clifford Etienne, and I think he was one of them, and, and these absolute no-names. At the end, now this is in his early forties, so this idea that all of a sudden he could just walk into a ring at fifty-three—it's saying that I think he'd handle any of those three. I think he'd handle any of those because he yeah. individually, yes. Well, what are you trying to create a WWE? No, I'm just saying <laughs> if, if you started with Noodles, then you brought Gal in, then you brought once he tapped out Noodles and Gal comes in, and if he gets past Gal, he takes on Sonny Bill Williams. Could he go through all three of them? I blame, let me get to this point. No, he couldn't. But I blame the media for giving this air because some promoter put up a million bucks. Now, that's an insult to Mike Tyson. Of course it a is. A million bucks? Uh, that, that is just a bloke trying to get his own. I don't even know who it is, but he's trying to get his own name in the paper and he did it successfully. It's like when, um, what was that uh, zoo magazine would offer Pauline Hanson a million dollars to strip nude. Okay, it's a fake offer. It was simply about the publicity. Yeah. This promoter now all of a sudden gets his name in lights. And I thought Paul Kent came up with the best line. He said, isn't it funny, Mike Tyson, he's a bloke who was incarcerated for rape. Nothing funny about that. But he went to jail. He punched, he bit a guy's ear off. He punched a guy at a press conference. He barked like a dog and bit someone's ankle at a press conference and yet here he is saying that this idea of fighting rugby league players is an insult to boxing I oh. thought, oh, that's... <laughs> you get you get rewarded these days for being a, a complete flip did you see all the cameras at sam newman's tee off like no. who gives a shit about sam <laughs> no. newman seriously yeah now, so, you're saying that we no, we did. We had a lot of fun with. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> but pretty sure we orchestrated the whole thing. <laughs> of course we did, but you know, like the bloke just didn't shut up, and we, yeah. we we're in a world where we reward morons, aren't we? Mm. No, I, I refuse to accept this premise. I'm a fan of the Sam Newman podcast. He's a grumpy old man, but he's militant, and and when he's when he's stuck on something, he won't let it go. I, I thought he was absolutely right. I thought he actually did the cause more harm than good because once, because he has a name and when he says something, it gets publicity. Once he started banging on about golf, I thought, well, Daniel Andrews now is deliberately not going to let golf back for a time because he doesn't want to give in to be seen to be giving mm. in to the old fossil. So <laughs> banging sure on, he, he didn't good. stop. He did not stop. It was obsession. 
It was stalking yeah. almost. But he's senile. He's lost some plot. So. Yeah. No, anyway. no, no. I don't accept this. I don't, <laughs> I don't accept this at all. All right. Are we, are we just about done, boys? Because we've gone nearly an hour of absolute dribble. Have we got oh, any flies. tips for the weekend? Uh, not at this stage, but Sugar Shootout will all be revealed there. Tips will be on there. So if you want to be involved, uh, get in touch. Uh, Shawnee looking to break his duck there. I'll suck my tips up for anyone that's interested. You can uh, follow me in. Red pen. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, have a good week, folks. We're back to normality basically next week, I reckon. Yes. 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 Bring well, it on. We should have premiership markets or at least round three and round four markets. By the way, see, I didn't really... As I said, I was following the Sydney races. I wasn't following the Adelaide stuff, but I saw afterwards a lot of people on Twitter were really making a day of it and yeah. uh, uh, doing some good stuff with what is it called? The Sugar Shootout. So thank you, everyone, for getting involved. And that's good we're doing it again this week. So um, I don't know if I'll play. I managed to get through last week without embarrassing myself. I got the first winner. <laughs> so I didn't go Sean, Sean uh, down the Sean path, so I might just retire. Yeah, and what so. about what what about they managed to they managed to drag up by uh, Canberra Raiders tip from last year as well, just to just to really rub salt to the wounds. I was already having a we shit deserve that. And they, we deserve that because much like Sam Newman, you just you're a dog with a bone with the Canberra Raiders, and you yes. deserve to have that put back in your face. Exactly, uh, right. beautiful. Bring it on! All right, All right boys. Till next right, week. Guys. Oh, Dan, Thank Dan, you. you know how we do the swipe, swipe up to uh, promote the video on Instagram? Yes. Can you do 10 seconds of Mike Tyson sparring before you do the swipe, swipe up? Record it now. <laughs> I'm not doing it myself. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Now, we, now I can't see up there, bro. Here we go. Righto. How long was that? That was about, that was about six seconds. That was a bit pathetic, but anyway, that was also it was, it was also awful. Yeah. <laughs> we'll record that one again. Oh, shut up! Right, have a good week, folks. <laughs> All right, boys. I take you. Don't worry. <laughs> Adios. Right. See you, lads. And, and as always, Joel, gamble responsible.